Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And Dom. And I'm very sad we don't have a guest today, <laughs> because it would have been a perfect way to start the episode to be like, it's, it's the Retro Fanfic Retrospective with our very special guest star, except there's no one. If you want, I can do a funny voice and pretend to be a guest. Uh, okay, can you be Carl Masick? Uh, I don't know how Carl Masick sounds, but I can give it a crack. But if you hum a few bars, I could fake it. Uh, <laughs> I totally missed that. Like, I could have jumped all over that. Yeah, so we don't have a guest, but we do have a microphone set up for Elijah. There you go. Case. Just in mm-hmm. case they come in. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will have to eat their portion of the meal later. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't feed you. Oh. Uh... So, there's been a slight change of plans in the fanfic we're doing for this episode, but at the moment we have a little side trip into the Muppet Show tribute to anime, which I'm not sure if that's a really accurate title. Actually, it says the Muppet Show tribute to anime, to anime, oh yeah, it says an anime, in parentheses, mostly Ranma fanfiction. That's more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, good job, Bridget, the author, for making an accurate title. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, now, this was indeed by Bridget E. Wilde, a Ranma One Half fanfiction author from back in the day. This is an award-winning fanfic. It came in first in the TAS, TASS Awards, which are one of the more than one ongoing Ranma One Half fanfiction awards from back in the day. There was Tail Swapper, there was TASS. Uh, this one won the One Shots Award for August 1998, first place. Sadly, only came in seventh for the annual One Shots Award for 1998. There must have been six better fanfics that I could have chosen <laughs> from 1998. I'm sorry. What, seven out of 12? Yeah, seven out of 12, right? Yeah. I mean, that's probably simplifying it because there could have been a really strong month where, like, the second place was better than the first place in another month or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As it would break down in the season finale of that anime. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Man, I just started reading first two volumes of this American comic, um, uh, what's it called? Is it just called Fence, I think? It's a fencing <laughs> sports manga. Oh, oh I okay. thought, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's about a fence. I was thinking about White, white Picket, yeah. yeah. Um, it's about someone reselling stolen goods. No, no, it's a fencing <laughs> sports manga. And I just really like it when people do the sports manga thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's definitely not an American sports story. It is a sports <laughs> manga format. So I'm in the second volume. We're in the first tournament of this, you know, like, kind of structure where, like, people are trying to make the team. It's mm-hmm. great. Also, it's extremely gay. <laughs> we had this thing where we try to turn every sport we think of into a sports manga story. Uh, and after, you know, my stint of doing live-action role-playing with Boffer sword fighting, mm-hmm. I was like, I could turn Boffer sword fighting into a sports manga. It'd be <laughs> oh, great. Oh my god, you totally could, and it would be great. Except that I have no artistic talent. Well, that's where I come in, Amato. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of our most dynamic ones was when we talked about making the caber-tossing sports manga. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. After one of our many trips to the Scottish Highland Games here in Portland. It's sort of making me think that would it be wrong to do like a parody sport? Like I probably wouldn't try to do an anime style because it's just not me. But maybe I could. Would it be wrong to like do a parody sports? I manga? think I don't know. I think you can change the art style as long as you kept the story structure the story, and format. Yeah. Well, parody sports manga is that something like Yakitate Japan or something where like they're just so over the top in that structure. But but even then, I feel like. It's hard to parody sports manga because you just slide into being sports manga. Yeah, you can't sure. you can't go over the top because a sports manga is over the top. Right. But maybe that's the point is that it, it it's in genre parody in a way like what maybe some people call a deconstruction I suppose. You, <laughs> you could, could deconstruct you could, a sports like, manga yeah, for you, sure. You could confront certain elements of the trope in a humorous way. Right. Or the, not the trope, but the uh, genre, I guess. The Boffer one would be fun because you can incorporate a bunch of impractical martial arts into different styles. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I would be way happy for, like, you know, the main character would be into, like, Boffer sword fighting as a combat. Like, you know, the, um, 
the Society for Creative Anachronism descended type, you know, sword fighting. Mm-hmm. But then there would definitely be like a whole extended story arc where he does go into a live action role playing game over the weekend, you know, like <laughs> like an extended one with the boffer sword fighting and he's trying to like <laughs> apply these skills in a different context. And it's like yeah. and now there's magic. Oh, and he has to fight somebody that doesn't follow the turn- tournament rules. Absolutely, that, that sounds fine. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, what was, you know, I used to be a part of a club in college. Like, I didn't go that often. But what was it called when the with the boffer fighting when you actually stage like combat? Uh, a live-action role-playing game? No, 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 no. It was like a staged combat, but it was only combat. It wasn't like any alarming mm. element. Was it, it was just the combat. Just, we had a name for it. Just I a performance? Remember. It's not performative. It's just like uh, it's competitive. Just a combat. Like, I mean, we did that, you but... You pick up a weapon, and you stage it against each other. There's a specific name for it. Like, I mostly had a friend who was involved in it, but I went a few times, and it was super fun. I know that type of thing you're talking about. Like, um, in the paintballing community, they, like, reenact Normandy and stuff like that. Mm. Well, they put people on different sides and they yeah, like, rotate people back in. Have battles like a reenactment, not quite a competition. Re-enactment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> competitive reenacting. Just just a battle, really. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what the general term is. Ours was called Something flag war. A. We did it every year. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we've drifted a little bit off of the topic. I of... know. I was thinking that too, <laughs> but then I had this like, I need to know this answer to my question. <laughs> That's okay, Sorry, audience. I mean, we're all looking forward to that comic, though, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the works, not actually in the works. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> we, it's okay if we're off topic, it's the beginning of the episode, but yes, Muppet Show tribute to anime, Bridget Wilde, uh, award-winning, 1998. And I guess should we just dive into, like, what the fanfic is about? Do we want to talk about what the oh, Muppets, Muppets mean yeah. to us? We haven't talked about Muppets. Of course we need to talk about the Muppets. <laughs> Come on, y'all. What do the Muppets mean to you? It's a way of life. No, I <laughs> I didn't watch a lot of the Muppet show as a kid. I did watch um, Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Re- uh, religiously, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Just constantly. I only, the Christmas one at least every year. Muppet Treasure Island all the time. <laughs> I think I had a similar experience. Both of those movies, like, high in my memories. Mm-hmm. Also, The Muppet Family Christmas. Mm. Um, but we watched Muppet Show reruns when they were on when I was, like, I don't know, however old, like, middle school aged or something. Mm. And, like, I liked it fine, but also a lot of it was lost on me because every single episode it would be, I have no idea who this guest star is or why I should care. Like, almost every single time. You know, there's... There's a few episodes where it's like, yes, I know that person. Paul Simon, <laughs> Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Revisiting some of the episodes as an adult, I'm not sure there's actually a lot to the episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at least maybe some of the early ones. I, m- this point might mostly be a nostalgia factor more than a, a quality thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love the phenomena. That, that always gets me. Yeah. But with each episode, it's normally a part or two that you like, mm-hmm. and a lot of everything else. That sounds right. I just have really, like, funny, like, the Muppets were, like, a staple of my childhood, right? Right. But my memories of the Muppet show in particular are really fuzzy, like, Menomina, like you said, Dom. Yeah. Um, my brother and I loved Animal, you know? Like, we had certain <laughs> characters that we just had, like, these obsessions with, and Animal was one of them. We'd make reference to that character all the time. I think... Our biggest frame of reference was actually the Muppet Babies cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Which I would, did watch that. Yeah, Me which too. would parody a lot of popular TV shows or movies. And actually, our favorite one was the Star Wars one, which we saw shortly before the Star Wars re-releases went into the theater. And so our frame of reference for Star Wars, when we went to finally see Star Wars for the first time, I was like seven, my brother was like five, in the theater was the Muppet Babies cartoon that we just thought was so funny. Like, there was Obi-Wan Kerfroggy, which was Kermit, and Miss um, Piggy had, like, donuts on her ears. That she, like, she literally donuts? Like, yeah, like, I think literally. That's great. Yeah, um, just, and it was really, like, enchanting to us, too, because all these plots were, like, lifted from other things. It did the same Muppet parody thing, but just straight directed at young kids. It worked really well. I don't think I'd be able to go back and watch Muppet Babies because it would cause one of the biggest pet peeves I have when uh, you talk about puppet characters in other mediums, which is seeing their feet on a regular basis. It just kind of creeps me out. <laughs> yeah, but, like, Kermit <laughs> has feet. No, like... I, I mean, like, yeah, the character has feet. Right. But you don't see them most of the time. 
when they're performing. I mean, they had a puppet, the version of the puppet with feet, but most of the time it's just the hand and the, I guess. Know, and the waist. I mean, I guess I remember the movies more than anything, and they did a lot more with like the, in the legs movie, yeah. and that, I think, in the movies. Especially the one where like Gonzo meets his family from space. I remember that one. Yeah, Muppets in Space. Is that Muppets in Space? Uh, yeah. Is it called Muppets in Space? It's called Muppets in Space. I think they were, in the first draft of the script, they were supposed to go into space, but they didn't have the money for it. <laughs> so they just talked about space. <laughs> Wait, they were actually going to take a space shuttle and take all the puppets into space? And at least Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they ran out of budget. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting that none of us were specifically fans of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Because this fanfic is not a Muppets fanfic. It's a Muppet Show fanfic. I, I love the the idea of The Muppet Show. Right. The whole like sketch sketch comedy, um, music numbers, with the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. part. I, as a as a vaguely theater person, that's it's tickles all all the right funny part, funny bones. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember the Muppet Show. I remember liking it. I just I felt like for some reason it was more for adults than it was for me. I think that's my impression. Probably because you know, like you said, Amato, not knowing the guest stars and a lot of the references they were making. Plus, I think it came on kind of late in the evening, relatively speaking. It wasn't aimed at kids. I yeah. Mean, it was aimed at like it wasn't not aimed at kids, but you know. It, it was kid friendly. Kid friendly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a relatively early bedtime when I was young, and I think maybe it was just one of those things I didn't see it because it was on at, like, 9 o'clock and I was supposed to be in bed or something. Mm-hmm. Or you, instead you are up reading books. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know me too well. Well, it's exactly what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was up reading books or still watching TV through the crack in the door. Did I mention on this podcast before that, like, when I was in middle school, I would go to bed at 9 o'clock, and I would like, tell my parents, I'm going to bed, just so that I could read until 11 o'clock, and then turn off the light and go to sleep. You have not. Yeah, that that was me. I was like, I'm going to bed. They're like, it's 9 o'clock, and I'm like, no, I'm tired, and then I just, like, sit there with a book for oh, two hours. Big day. Middle school. Lots of, uh. Yeah, that's why I was stressful. <laughs> well, lots of, uh, does sound like a good description of middle school. That's mm-hmm. true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also got in trouble a lot for reading, like, fantasy books during math class. But uh, my like it, my teacher didn't really, like, ever take action on it. Like, they talked to my parents, like, I just really wish Tori would, like, pay more attention in class. But they're getting A's on everything, <laughs> so, like, I don't really know what else to say. And I really took that to heart in conferences. I was like... You wish I would pay more attention, but I'm not going to. Then I just keep reading, and my teacher would still get mad. Uh, <laughs> you're super cool. <laughs> I know. I was such a nerd. Yeah. Now, this fanfic is structured just like an episode of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the whole cohesive structure of it. The author in an endnote even mentions, like, trying not to make it too much longer than, like, an episode of The Muppet Show should run, mm-hmm. you know, if it was an actual episode. And... In accordance to the title of a tribute to anime, it starts off with Scooter calling in Carl Masek as their guest, like in the dressing room or whatever. And this is such such a 90s fanfic kind of thing to do. Because, like, Carl Masek was just a punchline, basically, for anime fans in the 90s. And I only had a vague idea who he was. Do you have any idea now? Yes. I, he mean, was I, I know. I just want you to see if you know. The producer behind Robotech. Mm. And just saying Robotech was also a punchline for anime fans in the 90s. Mm. Uh, That's fair, because wasn't Robotech, like, pieced together from Macross or something? And two other series, yeah. Yeah. See, I became aware of that as an adult, and I never really watched Robotech. I was like, what? But um, I had no idea who Carl Masick was until I looked him up. Yeah. But then I saw Robotech, and I was like, I, I think I get this now. Right. It's like, that's just the joke. It's like Robotech, cue laugh track among 90s anime fans. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently, Carl Masek okay. also did something with like a couple of Leiji Matsumoto series spliced together. Like, I think it was Captain Harlock and something else. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Why do people do those things? Only Carl Masek did those things. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess you can say, uh, what's his name? Saban. Haim Saban kind of did with the Sentai oh, stuff too. But Sure, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Carl Masek's called on stage, and he's like, thank you, Scooter, I, and then the wall blows in, and it's Ryoga, and it's a Ranma one-half fanfic from here. Yeah. What do people think of Ryoga as the guest star in this? It's kind of jumping ahead, but here's what I think about Ryoga as the guest star in this. Hmm. It works for their plot, but when the humor works in this fanfic, it's because they're 
putting lines into the Muppet characters' mouths, and like I can, mm-hmm. I can clearly picture how they're delivered because I know how all these <laughs> Muppet characters talk. Yeah, and so just the fact that like I'm imagining Gonzo saying this line makes it funny because Gonzo's delivery in my mind is great for that. <laughs> and Ryoga's problem in this fanfic is that Ryoga doesn't have a voice in the same way that someone like Kermit or you know Piggy or anyone does yeah. in the Muppets, and so it's hard to get him. He doesn't sound right in this fanfic. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. it doesn't have a, a literal voice. It would be something in Japanese subtitled with everybody else talking normally. <laughs> right. Yeah, he doesn't have a literal voice. I cannot picture him saying these things yeah. in response to other characters. Yeah, there's a weird thing where Ryoga is like so central, and the author keeps, keeps referring to Ryoga as like, there are a couple times he gets naked, I'm sure we'll cover oh, yeah. it, that he's so hot, and I just felt like, I mean, that's weird, he's <laughs> supposed to be a teenager, but, like, beside that, I can go on with that later, but, like, it seems like there's, like, a fixation on him as, like, you know how authors just have, like, personal, like, characters that they would obsess over? Mm-hmm. This is the part of fan culture that always disturbed me, and the reason I didn't really want to participate in it. And I'm not trying to, like, rag on anybody, but it was weird how, like, it was like Ryogo was supposed to be present, but more objectified than actually a character. Like, because that was the author's, like, personal character, basically. The term beefcake does get deployed at least once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's almost like an author having a ship, but instead it's like, like, it's like shipping to people, but in, in being obsessed with that, instead it's just like a character they think is cute and they obsess and, like, insert that character into everything. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, he kind of doesn't have much of a personality or he has a weird sense of his personality because he's, like, the author's, like, inserted character. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, but it also kind of fits in with the rhythm of a Muppet Show episode. Yeah. yeah. Where the guest star is just there to service the different scenes and be different punchlines. That's yeah. fair, yeah. And so Ryoga's definitely here in the service of the plot. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. his progression here is just what needs to happen, not anything that's, like, intrinsically character-driven or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, in general, I think Ryoga doesn't come across as a strong uh, characterization or showing in this fanfic compared to the Muppets. Uh, Now, going through this fanfic beat by beat, I feel like is not necessarily the way to go. Um, Maybe just talk about what you want to talk about? (laughs) How about we talk about the Ryoga thing, and then we talk about other parts that we wanted to talk about. Okay. So, the Ryoga thing is that he's kind of drafted to be the guest. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Early on... Which is kind of a plot that does happen in The Muppet Show sometimes. Yeah, you get some reluctant guests sometimes. Or they'll wander in or they get captured, I think, sometimes too, right? (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, because Carl Masek got buried under a pile of rubble from a box side 10 kits, and they're like, oh, this is way better for our anime episode. Yeah. So he gets drafted. He kind of gets pushed off on screen to do a a number with Piggy. Mm -hmm. And early on, he turns into a... A, a pig, like he does. Yeah, as and a Rama characters want to do. As a Rama character. I, I did like a couple of the, of the notes where they mentioned, were like, what's Ryoga doing over there by that precariously balanced pail, pail of water and that person with a hose and also that, uh, yeah, they, et cetera. They set up the punchlines of why there are like these random splashes of water to get cursed from, you yeah. know. Which is, a as someone who's liked Rama, it's always a, a fun thing to do in a, in a fanfic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it works for the gag element of the Muppets as well. Yeah. <laughs> And his first number is with Piggy, who, um, it's like a hot tub scene, and, you know, he jumps in and turns back into a human, and she gets to leer at him. And then the number is, baby, it's cold outside, Mm -hmm. with him trying to get away from his Piggy, and it's all very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, baby, it's cold outside is always the worst. It is pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) This is before everybody collectively agreed publicly that's the worst, though. That's right. It was (laughs) before we realized it. It was 98. Yeah, well, I do have to say, though, like, uh, there's, like, the thing about the song Baby It's Cold Outside is, like, the lyrics are super creepy, but there's an implication that, like, she actually does want to stay, and it's, like, his role to convince her, right? So, like, there's, like, a weird, like, oh, it's not pressure because it's, like, she wouldn't say it unless he did that, and I'm not... That doesn't make it okay. It's not okay. No, I yeah. But this is different in the sense that he yeah. does not want to stay. With the song itself, the, the words are not good, but if you characterize it differently, it becomes okay. Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah. It, it, the, 
It's, the problem yeah. with the song isn't really that like you think it's actually creepy between those two individuals singing it. It's that the song yeah. itself is romanticizing, like playful, like no, but I don't mean no. Yeah, and like yes, you don't want yes. to romanticize that. Obviously, yeah. yeah. For a good um, sketch about this song, I think you should watch the Key and Peele sketch. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I think I did see that. It was great. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. I think one. you pointed it, pointed me to it. That sounds like something I do. <laughs> oh, it's like this, like the guy, like the guy tries to convince the girl to stay, and the girl stays, and then she eventually ends up like, what, like beating him up or something? <laughs> um, wait, wait. I'm thinking of the one where the guy is responding very reasonably to all of these, like. To everything the girl is saying, and it's just like, oh well, of course, if you if you need to get going, we'll make sure to bundle you up warmly and like, take, and take care that you, you know, do not catch frostbite. Either way, just be, be sure to watch all of Keenan Peel. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. <laughs> no, that shouldn't be a joke. Like a guy taking. No, I, I know, but, but it's... I mean, no, I get that it's a reference to how horrible the original is. I'm just like, right. Yeah, it just shouldn't be. Uh, people are awful. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. In the Ryoga plot arc, his next beat is that he is, like, kind of freaked out by having burst into song. And Kermit gets <laughs> to explain to him that, oh, no, that's just the variety show genre. That's how it works around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's disturbed by this and, you know. Yeah. Um, so I can start singing at I can start singing in at any time, Ryoga says. Kermit says, yep, Ryoga. And there's no telling when? Kermit, yep. For instance, try whirling around once. Go ahead, right now. Ryoga looks dubious, but whirls around. Instantly, his traveling clothes are changed to a finely cut gold tu- tuxedo. His bandana changes to a glittery top hat. His umbrella becomes a cane that he whirls once, flashily, before tucking it under his arm. He begins to sing and tap dance as the spotlight focuses on him. One singular sensation, every little step he takes, da 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 etc. <laughs> <laughs> After which he's like, the horror, the horror. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with his sense of direction, he ends up instead wandering into Piggy's dressing room later. And at this point, they at least throw out the creepiness because she's like, oh, no, I was just pretending to like have the hots for you, mostly, even though you are hot, uh, for, you know, for the performance thing. Right. And, and she knows that he turns into a pig. She's like, so what, what's the deal with that? And he gets to have a, a rant about how terrible the curse of turning into a pig is and how pigs are horrible, disgusting animals, which causes her to, like, kick him through a wall or whatever. Which is also a Muppet Show joke. Absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, <laughs> so perfectly Muppet Show is that he goes on describing, like, how awful it is to turn into a pig, and then Piggy obviously getting more and more frustrated because, mm-hmm. and him being totally oblivious, which is actually pretty Ryoga. Oh, yeah, It's, it, sure. like, played really well for, like, how he is with the girls in Rama one half and like being oblivious and then played really well for Piggy getting more upset like how gross pigs are and the last straw is that he's like and the worst part is all of the like awful pig girls trying to like get with me and he doesn't even know like he doesn't even realize the Piggy is like you know a pig woman he, who would take a he realizes that he's just you know dumb like he is, whatever. Mm. Like, he doesn't think that he's talking about her, I guess. Right, you know? right, right. Like, but in his mind. She's, yeah, but she's obviously about to slap him in outer space. She So she karate chops him into a wall, yes, and he's like, yes. wow, like, that, was, that was amazing. How'd you do that? She says, oh, it was nothing. Just the merest sample of pig foo. Pig foo? <laughs> pig foo? You would call it the butaken, dear. Which made me laugh. It's just so, so <laughs> Ranma one half. Yeah. Butaken, yeah. The, the pig fist. thing is, like, <laughs> this would fit exactly in a Ranma one half chapter. Uh, it totally would. Yeah. She says, I, I have a pink belt in the technique. They offered me red, but it didn't match my gi. Yeah. In fact, if you told me this was a Ranma chapter, I would, I, I would believe you. I, I, Oh, yeah, well, sure, the pig fist chapter. I remember that vaguely. Wasn't there one, though, where there was something about a pig fight? No, no there's pig sumo. Yeah, it's pig sumo. Completely yeah. different. <laughs> it is great and super hilarious how all this, like, fit directly into the Muppet show and Piggy's character and into, like, a Ronald and Half story. It was like, this is, like, the perfect unison there, you know? Mm. The author mentions that that idea of, like, crossing it over with the pig fist Mm. Of, of Pig Fu was the seed of the entire fanfic and everything else just oh, grew out from there. I can totally and, see that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's great because it works perfectly. Like, it definitely should have been the seed for it, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ryoga, for the rest of the fanfic, is trying to learn Pig Fu from Piggy. 
And the progression of that is that he needs to accept his pigness, wallow in his pigness. Mm. So then after that, you get two uh, pig-themed sketches in a row. Right. Where you have Ryoga uh, reluctantly taking on a pig-themed role with a pig costume with a with a lot of a lot of pig puns, a lot of just great stellar pig puns. I mean, puns are, are great anyways. I mean, who doesn't appreciate puns, you know? Uh-huh. You know, I, I've been a fan of puns. You know, I, <laughs> I, I submitted a, a lot of puns to a, a pun writing contest, like about a, oh my gosh. Like, like about 10 or so. But at, at the end, like, no, no no puns won. I mean, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very punny. I'll see myself uh. out. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, the, the first of these sketches is Veterinarian's Hospital, which is always just full of the worst jokes, where, you know, it's Dr. Bob and Janice, and Piggy's there as a nurse, and... Um, What's that dog pub's name? Ralph? Rolf? 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 I feel like I, I never know how to say it, Rolf. but he's the best. Rolf. Rolf, Rolf, Rolf. 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 I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Rolf. Yeah. I'm saying it. Yeah. Tori's got, got her dog connection, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man, we, we rewatched Muppet uh, Family Christmas... This last um, mm. winter, and you know, watched with our child for the first time, and one of my favorite brief parts is when Rolf comes in and and has a conversation with the dog from Fraggle Rock, <laughs> and you know, the dog's like woof woof woof, and Rolf's like yeah yeah woof woof, <laughs> like yeah yeah man woof, like they're speaking the same language, but he's just saying woof. It's uh, <laughs> that's great <laughs> because Rolf's kind of like a jazz dog, right? right he is. Like a, he's the pianist. Yeah yeah. Um, um, anyway, so right, Piggy's trying to get Roga to like accept his pig nature, and in this case, of course, it just means making pig jokes. And um, I, f- I feel like the best, most obvious joke here is when he comes in his peach on, they pour water on him, and he turns back, and I forget who gets to say it, but yeah, Doctor Bob says, "Aha! So it's true, men are pigs." Yeah, uh, and I was like, was... I was like, okay, well played. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Now, was this before or after the rat uh, bubblegum crisis? It's, I think it's after, but we're going to go okay. back to the non-plot like, line. I'm just trying to find it right now because there were so many good puns there. Um, the other line that just made me laugh for some reason in the veterinarian's hospital is Piggy saying to Roga, go ahead, make a pig joke. Mm-hmm. And he says, do I have to? Can I just joke about other stuff? And Piggy says, gaze into the abyss, dear. Don't tap dance on the edge. <laughs> so good. <laughs> So I would love, references it, it just makes this. me crack yeah. up. I, I, I would love that line was like delivered completely deadpan. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine Piggy delivering it right. It would be completely serious. Yes. <laughs> there's like um, there's so many like constant jokes that are so Muppet Show in this, and it's just a nonstop stream. Like we mentioned, oh, yeah. but like I think the last one is so you're training him to be a pig despite or Doctor Bob says to Piggy, mm-hmm. you're training him to be a pig despite his lowly state of birth. It reminds me of a play I once saw once. Piggy, what play was that? Pygmalion. Uh. And then they're like, Janice, like, wow, Dr. Bob, didn't that become My Fair Lady? And then Ryoga's like, I don't know, did they pour hot water on it? <laughs> he, he bursts out laughing. The yeah. others watch him in silence when he notices this Ryoga shuts up. I like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, because it's only he's, relevant. He's the only one who gets it, right. Yeah, but I thought it was funny. It's also one of the few like actually actually funny jokes in there. And it's kind of <laughs> funny if it just gets completely panned in the show. <laughs> That's also funny too because like I I guess Ryoga like I guess in Rama One Half they have a, this media available to them like they know what My Fair Lady was I guess. Possibly, I mean, because a, it takes place in the 90s, That's right? a concession but, of the fanfic, sure. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't, you don't need to worry about it. And, of course, that whole segment ends with Dr. Bob saying, Aha, I finally realized what's wrong with him. Jan says, Really, Dr. Bob? What is it? Swine flu! And they all <laughs> burst into laughter. Ah, it's... It's... But then doesn't Ryoga make a joke? Oh, you're right. There's, oh, a, yes. there's a joke on that. It's even worse. It's sort of incidental, actually. I don't think he intends to. And then they're all like encouraging him to just make a pig joke, one oh, little pig oh, joke. Oh, that one, right? yeah, yeah. And he says, "When pigs fly." Yeah. And it's a breakthrough in <laughs> right. accepting his pig nature. But he doesn't even realize he's making it the joke at first. But there we go. Good job, Ryoga. And the next part after that is, of course, pigs in space. Of course it is. Yes. And Ryoga is on as a a guest, and 
This one's a lot less about Ryoga. It's just like, okay, Ryoga, now you get to play a pig role. It's also a little bit more about 90s space anime. <laughs> it kind of is. Like, don't they have um, Link dressed up as Harlock? And they have uh, Piggy as uh, Min May. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lin Min May is another one of those 90s anime things where it's just like, just say Lin Min May, that's funny already. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, never, oh. having, never having seen Robotech or Macross... I'm like, uh, whatever, Linman May, sure, whatever. Yeah, this is, like, something I'm familiar with, even being in the peripherals, like, because I didn't even know who she was, but people made, like, Min May was a joke right. on the internet. And right. I was familiar with that, despite not being involved in this. So, yeah, huge joke, I guess. I guess. Didn't we... There was some internet thing, like a f- fan radio thing, where someone... Where they were trading barbs at each other, and someone just ends with, you Min May. <laughs> That, yeah, that, that no. sounds right. That, that level of bile in the voice. It was probably Sailor Moon Stupid, I think. People mm. definitely use Minmay as like an insult to characters they didn't like. It was like that character's a Minmay or something. Like I don't know why, because I don't know enough about. I just I have no idea yeah. why she was so annoying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we may never know. Um, Carl Masek does return in this segment though as Masek of Borg, <laughs> th- threatening to dub them, right? Um, Which is hilarious. <laughs> Well, yeah, Carl Masek. That's funny already. Yeah. Okay, it it is kind of funny for him to say, like, resistance is futile, you will all be assimilated, your voices will be dubbed, your names changed. (laughs) I actually think that, yeah, like, understanding now who he is, which I didn't at the time I actually read this, it is funny, but I feel like they could have done more with it because he was splicing anime together to create something totally different. Like, they could have been, like, assimilated into my, like... Frankenstein anime monster in a more clever way, you know? Well, yeah. they, they, I guess that's the implication. I don't know. Yeah, they, they wanted the, the Borg line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we get a Lindman May joke about her scene being terrible, but Carl being immune because he's the one who cast Rava West in the role. Um, it, it's okay. Like, it, I'm really not the audience for any kind of Robotech jokes. Uh, they also have me neither. They also have bridge bunnies as actual bunnies. That is kind of funny. Yeah, like that's, that's a very very Muppet Show thing to do, right? Yeah, actually, that is the joke they make around that is pretty funny, because they say something like, you know, you can't be bunnies on this. This is the what did they call it? SDF swine trek. Swine trek, right? They have to all be pigs, and the bunnies say something like. But this is an equal opportunity ship. Like you have to let us be on this ship. Bunny discrimination is against the law. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and also that the the viewers need somebody who's cute in order to sympathize with and to cower when things go wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like I feel like the joke is. I don't know how I feel about it. To be honest, like there's a lack of sensitivity to it, but it's also poking fun at a lot of things that are. I don't know. It was yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's what appeals about it is that it's very Muppet Show, and I can imagine the whole scene of the bunnies trooping in. I can imagine yeah. them like cowering in the background for the rest of the scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and uh, Ryoka does more pig stuff. Yeah, he gets to sing a song, right. and this is apparently unlike most of the songs in this fanfic, which we'll go back to because right now we're just in like the main Ryoka plotline. Most of them are like songs from other sources like the Muppet Show does. This one's apparently a Muppet Show original that was in fact done on the Muppet Show at some point. And there was a couple interstitials of um, Ryoga and Piggy, like in Piggy's dressing room doing like mantras and chants. Oh, I do want to mention that because it has what I think is the best anime reference in this fanfic. Okay. (laughs) When he's doing uh, pig mantras and one of the ones he says is, it's better to be, I'd rather be a pig than a fascist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because, like, too true. And that's a, a line from Porco Rosso, and it's a great <laughs> mm-hmm. reference. <laughs> I gotta watch that. Sounds yeah, like, actually, like... Por- Porco Rosso? Por- I, I want to say Porco yeah, Rosso. Yeah, Red Pig. Porco Rosso, yeah. yeah. Um, when I first watched Porco Rosso, like, when I was, like, 14, I felt like it was one of my least favorite, like, Miyazaki films. I was like, I don't get this. Watching it as an adult, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Love that flick. So he sings a song about being a pig from The Muppet Show. I, I've never heard it, so it was just kind of lost on me. I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah. And at the end of the fanfic, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm totally into this variety show lifestyle you have here. Theater is my calling. I'm For, gonna... Yeah, forget this feud I have with Ronma. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. This yeah. like feud of honor thing. Yeah, I just I just need a I just need to go go call the guy. So do you have a payphone somewhere? <laughs> uh, right. He says, yeah, I just need to make a couple of phone calls about it. Kermit says, oh, there's a payphone right out of the alley. Mm-hmm. And Ryoga exits the opposite direction or whatever. 
Uh, that happens a couple times in this, which I can also very much imagine seeing on the screen. It's like someone will give him directions to go somewhere, yeah. and he'll just like turn around and go in the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah, they give him directions to go back to what they're doing, and Rogus says thanks and walks. Yeah, and no one notices, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> actually, this is pretty like well done because like if you know the character of Ryoga, you anticipate every time he leaves, he's going to go <laughs> the wrong direction. But they also like, especially for this ending, do a good job of establishing that that's what happens. So when he leaves to find the payphone, you're like. Oh, he's never coming back. And so the last scene is him in the schoolyard of Franken High School, you know, screaming up at the sky, where the heck is the Muppet Show Theater? Mm-hmm. Which is a good end note, I think. It's a good end note, but here's the thing. I read this fanfic back in the day. That's one of the reasons I wanted to read it with you two, because I remembered it being pretty good. I think you might have given this to me back in the day, too. I probably did, because I, li- I remember liking it. Yeah. And in my memory... The line at the end of the fanfic was Ryoga saying, asking someone to tell him the way to get to Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I reached the end here, that wasn't the line. I was like, that's not as funny. It's not, you know, (laughs) but I can see where you would have made that conflation, like with the puppets and everything. Yeah. But it wouldn't have made any sense. It wouldn't have made sense. Now that I think about it, it made no sense. Not as much sense, no. But that would be so funny. I mean, they're both Jim Henson properties. I know, but the Muppet Show Theater is not on Sesame Street or anything. It just would have been a perfect ending line. So I'm sad that it's not. um, You know what the answer is to that, Amato? What's that? You write um, a Ryoga Sesame Street fan fiction. There you go. (laughs) I I think the real answer to that, Tori, is someone else writes me a Ryoga Sesame Street fanfic and then I read it. Nose goes. But you can't can't do that, at least not on the... On this podcast, because we never do anything that's older than like twenty years. That's true. Oh well, I can still read it. Be cold day in hell. <laughs> <laughs> anything that's older than twenty years. Newer, whatever. Whatever. Uh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> gone... English is hard. Okay. <laughs> no, I no, I just got confused because we have done like... things that are newer than twenty years. Yeah, I've gone up to like thirteen years ago. So yeah. someone writes it for me, and then I read it in thirteen years. <laughs> okay. Put it in a time capsule. Um, again. I get the feeling that even in 13 years, you'd still be reading fanfics from the exact same period you're reading now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Uh, So that's the main plot line that goes through the fanfic. Mm. And I wanted us to talk about it all in one go, because otherwise it would have been even less comprehensible for anyone trying to follow along. But that's still only like half of the text of the fanfic, because it's a Muppet Show episode. And so half of the things that happen are just random other bits. And now I'd say, what do we feel like is worth talking about? I don't know. We went through everything, and now I'm, like, trying to go, what? We skipped over, like, all of the the different sketches. Yeah, like, that's the point. Yeah, what, what sketches do you want to come back to? <laughs> like the Dirty Pear one you were talking about? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I mean, I guess I'll have to see what sketches are here. The Dirty Pear one, I think, is one of those successes in visualization, where, like, when they describe it, I can picture it on the screen in The Muppet Show. Totally. Rizzo comes out when, like, this, the... No one's on the stage for whatever reason mm-hmm. and, like, introduces it. He's like, ah, how very fortuitous. Like, <laughs> he's got a couple of relatives here for a sketch, and it's two rats dressed as Kay and Yuri from the Dirty Pear with, like, huge bazookas just blowing everything up and making Dirty Pear jokes. And speaking of heavy Brooklyn accents. Right. <laughs> I guess that's a dubbed Dirty Pear I never actually saw. Oh, yeah, I think it's any rat in Muppet, Muppet Show. Oh, any rat. Of course. It's, it's just the rat voice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> actually, they, the, the funny part about that is they were the very Dirty Pear. Right. And it's because they were, like, they're rats. So, like, their dirty is just being rats. But I think they also make reference to... Um, what the dirty actually meant. I'm sorry, right. having a well, hard time like going back through and piecing things here, but yeah, in the original Dirty Pair, they call themselves the Lovely Angels, but everyone else calls them the Dirty Pair because right. they are massively destructive. Right. Whereas in this, one of them asks, "Hey Yuri, why do they call us the Dirty Pair?" And she's like, "I don't know, Kay. When's the last time you took a bath?" Because they're yeah, rats. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, good uh, it's, Muppet Show. It's joke, a Muppet Show joke, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And there was also a fun moment where Gonzo pitches the uh, Fist of the North Star character to Kermit. That's right. (laughs) Oh my god, that was actually really good. (laughs) That was great because it was written very, very Gonzo. It was like, Mm -hmm. the voices of the Muppets are really well done most of the time here. Yeah, they're they're written really well. Right, I can't do any of their voices, which makes me sad. (laughs) No impressions. But yeah, I find it here. Gonzo's pitching it to Kermit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, picture this. The curtain opens. There I stand, worn traveler in a desert wasteland. I brandish my hairy... He looks down. Okay, fuzzy chest. Take a deep breath and... 
His hands wiggle frantically in time with his voice. At last he falls silent, gasping for breath. Kermit asks, and? He says, heads explode. (laughs) (laughs) And can I just say I had a completely perfect visualization of like Gonzo's fists doing that with like the wires that move them Uh involved in the process. Also just like Like, random flailing. Yeah, like the flailing, you know, because the Muppet flailing. It was just perfect. Right. And, you know, Kermit, (laughs) Kermit's like, nope, not in my lifetime. (laughs) And his last line as they're exiting the screen is saying like, but exploding heads are art. (laughs) <laughs> actually another like funny that reminded me of another funny beat in this is like there was a point where they say something around like it's subtitled like this is supposed to be like high culture mm-hmm. oh anime is subtitled so it has to be high culture oh, yeah. <laughs> and it re- reminded me that like one of my weird like, weirdest thing about this is like they say multiple times like that anime is a genre and that is, like, the weirdest thing. But I also recognize that, like, people, Americans in the 90s kind of thought anime was its own genre. Like, because of the things that were being imported here. But it was really funny. Like, oh, yeah, here I have right here. Um, it's Gonzo talking to Sam the yes. Eagle, right? <laughs> Gonzo talking to Sam the Eagle. Also great Sam the Eagle, like, written voice in this. Oh, yeah. This is very uncomfortable with anything non-American. Um. Yeah, so this was actually... Maybe I'll just go through this sketch. This was kind of... It's actually pretty good sketch. The Ranma sketch, sketch, right? Where is it? Where Where Gonzo is Ranma. Right. And and Sam the Eagle is Son Tendo. And Mm -hmm. the the daughters are three chickens. Yeah. And and they have Sam dressed in, like, Japanese clothes. And he says, this had better be cultural. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. But then, like, there's all the, the... The three daughters are the, you know, the chickens. Right. Um, and, uh, man, let's see, like, let me get to this right now, because I just had <laughs> I know, we're jumping around, sorry. It, it, it also oh, mentions no, that... But this is so good. Though. also mentions that, that they're all acting badly in the sketch. Yes. <laughs> so better be Doorbell rings, Sam feigns surprise badly. Mm-hmm. Why? That must be him now. <laughs> yes. Enter Gonzo. He is wearing a red shirt with a mandarin collar and frog closures down the front. Guess who he's supposed to be? That's literally from the text. But, right. but my favorite thing about this is how Gonzo is not even remotely acting like Ranma. He's acting exactly. completely like Gonzo. Exactly, which is exactly which Gonzo. Which is what Gonzo right. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Sam is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he's like, you know, because he, like, apparently recognizes Gonzo, but because oh, that's, sure, sure, like, Gonzo's role is to play a character he's not supposed to be. Mm. Right. Oh, I'm the son of your dear, dear friend. The name's Gonzo. And of course he says his name's Gonzo. Um, Whoa, who are the cute chicks? <laughs> yeah, the cute chicks. Gonzo's he introduces the chicks. And Sam. Gonzo's like, wow, such a deal. But before I do that, I think there's something you want to know. You see, when you smash me with cold water, does so. He turns into a chicken. Bok, 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 bok. He splashes himself <laughs> with hot water and changes back. See? And it's like, it's all laid out right away. Oh, yeah, it's which great. Which is like a and then, great uh, twist. And then Sam says, this is supposed to be cultural? Mm. Trust me, Sam, the original is in a foreign language. It's been subtitled. Subtitled? Oh, well then, it must be high art. <laughs> so funny. Like, you take all of that, like, ridiculousness of, like, when people first started consuming anime and what they thought it was. And it's also, like, almost, like, inverted because a lot of people thought it was low art because it was cartoons Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then it's like higher because it's subtitled i thought that was great and then i i like how they streamline the premise of ranma for the sake (laughs) of a joke there's no one here that is like um that's genma or anything Mm -hmm. and the problem here is not that he turns into a chicken because he loves that because gonzo's way into chickens (laughs) it's that super okay with it it's that he introduces the notoka the mom element of like my mom's trying to kill me because she, you know, feels like I'm not a man among men. And it goes into a performance of Macho Man, which is exactly the kind of performance you want Sam in the background of. <laughs> Two things. Probably singing along, I think. First, like, for the sketch, I want to touch on the fact that Gonzo loves being a chicken. And he says, <laughs> you know, when Sam says, to think you've been afflicted by this terrible curse, Gonzo's like, are you kidding? I think it's cool, which I think is, like, Wow, trans, but also mm-hmm. not to mention coming in handy when I'm in the mood for an omelet, and you're like, "Oh, that's 
That's weird. It's very gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, like, you lay an egg and then you cook it and eat it. Like, all right. All right, gonzo. And then, yeah, there's the Macho Man performance, which is also super gay because Macho Man is super gay. <laughs> of course it is. But I feel like this performance, like, this version is even more gay in a certain way. I've I've got to say... Well, so, I, I don't think what we mentioned is that they have other characters coming out to support them, including, um... Who's it have... It's uh, Scooter. Link wearing the clothes of a construction worker. Mm. Scooter in the sailor white uniform. Fozzie in cowboy chaps and vest. Animal wearing the Indian headdress and a loincloth. I'll get behind Sam, who has settled into a sullen, <laughs> disapproving glare, and <laughs> sings and dances as backup. <laughs> and then the whole thing is rewritten for the situation, right? And the body, the body course made me crack up. I don't know why. It just tickled my funny gut bone. But how does that go in Macho Man? It's like. I don't know anything besides the chorus. <laughs> no. I can change my body, body. Make it strange, my body, body. In the rain, my body, body. What a pain, my body, body. What a curse, my body, body. Even worse, my body, body. Lays an egg, my body, body. <laughs> Makes me big, my body. I don't know. I just thought it was you so know. funny. It is really funny because, like, I'm, I actually was, like, just looking up the lyrics to Macho Man, uh-huh. and, like, I was trying to find the part where they were talking about being a queen, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's in the original lyrics. Like, I'm trying really hard, <laughs> but, yeah, the leg, the egg part is super funny, but, like, I, honestly, like, the Macho Man lyrics are, like, less gay than the lyrics that are presented here, <laughs> and I don't know how that's possible or why. Right. Macho man. Yeah. Okay. Now we're all like, like, like simultaneously up, no, Googling that. Because yeah. there's a part where he's like, uh, pardon, um, but in the rain it looks like, like, see me in the sun, I'm lean and mean, but in the rain it looks like I'm a queen. Mm-hmm. Mom cannot believe that I'm a macho man. She'll, she'll lop off my head any chance she can. That is not in the original lyrics, but that is like, come on. Sure. I'm a queen. Mm-hmm. Probably should be, right? Like, <laughs> If he's laying eggs, literally. he's apparently a hen. So, <laughs> It's just, yeah, crazy, though. Yeah. So, Dom, you made that comment earlier on where, like, the Muppet Show was some fraction of stuff that was hilarious to you and the rest of the stuff where you were just like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this fanfic also is that. Yeah. Um, but it... It retains the flavor and that feel really well. And some parts of it just do still make me crack up uh, 20 years later or whatever. <laughs> More than 20. Jeez, it's 98. Man, you're 21. old. 21. Whatever, old man. <laughs> I, I didn't read it when it first came out, I think. So, so that makes me young. Young man. Yeah. <laughs> young man. Young <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So many talkers, the songs just keep going through my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there... Oh, we, we got a Fozzie doing anime jokes. It's... Uh, yeah. We have a Swedish a chef. Yeah, we got Swedish chef. Who, by the way, in Sweden, I think it's called, like, Danish chef. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> they, they trade off. <laughs> um, I can... It's even harder to understand what the Swedish chef says when you're trying to write out his lines I did, phonetically. I, did, I didn't even try. <laughs> I just glazed over them. But yeah, Swedish chef tr- tries to cook pichon. Pichon turns into a ryoga. Uh, Swedish chef calls ryoga beefcake, then still tries to cook him, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, once he turns back into a man, that's when he's like, oh, he's not beefcake. <laughs> and then he makes okonomiyaki instead, and that's a punchline, I guess. And with the you know less morally dubious talking vegetables. <laughs> Talking and sometimes seeing vegetables. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like if, you know, your pig turns into a human, you wouldn't really care since you regularly massacre talking vegetables, but whatever. Well, I think he's bigger than the vegetables, so, you know, you'd have, you'd have a hard time finding oh, yoga. Oh, that is actually a really good point. <laughs> Another great part in Muppet Family Christmas is when the Christmas turkey talks Swedish chef and trying to cook Big Bird instead. <laughs> I have got to watch this. <laughs> it's, it's really good. That sounds incredible. Um, okay. I, 
I feel like we've hit on the parts that we found funny in here. There's some other parts that fell flat. There's like the monsters as Sailor Moon characters, and it's just like, yeah, I, I see how that would be kind of funny I visually. About that. I guess. That was like the very first scene. Yeah, is really it was early like on. to introduce the idea that they were going to be going into this anime parody and one mm. that was going to be like. But I found it kind of annoying because the Kermit like looks away in disgust. Yeah. And I felt like it was kind of like. Yeah, they're monsters, quote-unquote, but it's kind of just shaming around the idea that they're wearing, like, sailor uniforms, which is, yeah. Supposed to be, like, sexualized and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, like uh, Just non-feminine things, doing feminine things. Yeah. Doing feminine things yeah. creates disgust versus them just existing as monsters doesn't, you know? So right. that, that was the, the part that disturbed me. I felt like it was, just, like, a very coded transmisogyny. Yeah, I agree. I The... The image in an isolation of the monsters dressed as Sailor Moon characters makes me smile, kind of, but the context leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're totally cute. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one, really. Yeah. And there's a few other things that fall flat. Anything else to say about the 90s anime fanness of this? Were there any other references that stood out? Um, the other sketch we didn't talk about with um, Blunson and... Honeydew? Uh, talking with uh, Real Oki, the... Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I yeah. totally forgot about that. You know, my brother and I, another character we obsessed about was Ryooki. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, we, yeah. Watching Tenshi Muya. Ryooki is so cute. <laughs> so cute. Couldn't stand it. My brother would pretend to be Ryooki all the time. Like, <laughs> we just, we love the character. One of the first things I learned how to draw was Ryooki, so. Mm -hmm. I feel like I saw, like, two episodes, maybe one and a half, of any Tenshi Muyo in my life. And only just absorbed any through the kind of internet cultural osmosis of being an early-ish 90s, uh, early-ish anime fan. I still have no idea what that show is about. Actually, this... You're not missing anything, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. This is actually the, the, a main part that made me kind of like remember what it used to be like when I was like 12 and 13 years old and kind of relate to this author more, even though I think this author was older than me, mm -hmm. in the sense of like, you know, creating like this sort of fan fiction which was very like self-indulgent and using terms like otaku to describe themselves like i remember being in that headspace and it was all around like things like yeah tenshi muyo is total like it's actually a harem anime right like it's yeah. actually more geared towards you know young adult men to fetishize these certain girls but when you watch it and you're 13 you just kind of have fun with it and you, you like the girl characters, and you like Ryooki, who is like a cat rabbit that transforms into a spaceship and makes cute meowing noises and loves to eat carrots. Like, that's fucking adorable shit. So I kind of, like, made me empathize with the author a lot more when they brought in Ryooki as, like, a, a funny, silly point, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they did that as, like, an advertisement for your own, like, spaceship that can transform into a small animal, which mm -hmm. was super cute. Mm -hmm. Getting a TARDIS reference in there. It, it's fine. It just, yeah, that one didn't strike my funny bone. But I think we pretty much talked about all the yeah all the beats of the, the fanfic. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Uh, so we can probably wrap it up. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's one of those fanfics that's like, I, I feel like, well, I guess let's talk about any weaknesses we want to hammer home to make this author cry. <laughs> because we, we hate the authors and... We hold grudges against them for all the things they did right, every, 20 years ago. I mean, use people's fear and despair to, like, fuel our dark magic purposes. That's right. We channel into this crystal we have floating here in the middle. <laughs> I'm all, being all Queen Barrel saying, like, <laughs> humans are really into fan fiction these days. I just hope no hero busts in and destroys it with a magic attack. That'd be awkward. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot to cover the crystal's ears while you <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> I'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? No, no. No no offense to the author about any of this, of course, as usual. But is there anything else we want to complain about? Uh, personally, I think the weaknesses are kind of the same as the strength, where it follows the Muppet show formula yeah. pretty closely. I mean, it's definitely what it was designed to do, and it does it well. But that formula has some issues. Yeah, it does. And so it's just uneven when you're reading it. Yeah. And, yeah, some of the jokes are... Nothing's in, like, the worst case, but, yeah, the, the monster thing's a little bit transphobic, and, um, and some of them just don't, don't, don't land. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
the main strength of the fanfic is less the structure and more the voices because they're almost all on point. That's a good point. Like, that's what I take away from this is just that, like, there's really good writing, not just for some Muppet characters, but for, like, pretty much every Muppet character. Well, I just appreciate the structure because then you can really... Um, the, the author talks about it at the end, but just how much of a Muppet fan they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I can feel the fandom coming off that. Like, when you watch, watch something so much, you could do it in your sleep, sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and make, just be very true to that format. Yeah, I see what you mean. And I do think that the pig-foo through-line works mm-hmm. really well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot stronger of a through-line than most Muppet Show episodes actually had. Actually, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I want to go on to praise, but just, yeah, to, to hit on the criticism, it's like, there was a lot, there were a lot of things that, and I agree with all the the praise that's already been presented, and mm-hmm. I want to say more about that when we do hit praise, but the criticism is like, there are a lot of uncomfortable pieces, like, it's coming from this specific time, and I guess in general that time has made me uncomfortable. Like the author is like talking about anime as its own genre, and it's really generalizing. They're using the terms like otaku, like the way those used to be used on the internet, and they're heavily sexualizing Ryoga, mm-hmm. who's a teenage character. And the author mentioned they were finishing up their degree as they wrote this and at first they thought maybe they're talking about high school but like, uh, they're married was, like, so then they talked about being married and I was like oh like they're definitely older mm-hmm. so you know I understand being a teenage fan who's like Ryoga's hot but when they heavily sexualize a teenage character as an adult it's like you've hit the point where you should recognize that that's wrong so that was kind of one of my main issues that the trans misogyny and the general like weirdness of how at the time the fan culture treated anime as its own genre like so kind of exoticizing it like it's got to be all as a piece and i'm not necessarily blaming the author for that piece um because i think that's how the culture was at the time and it was hard to understand that there were things that existed out there within the entirety of we come from a culture where animated media is very limited. Mm-hmm. So I think it was hard to understand at the time. But I do think it kind of lacks insight, despite the fact that, like, culturally, yeah, I think everybody kind of thought at the time. But as an adult, I feel like you should be able to deconstruct and be like... Porco you, Rosso and Robotech and Ranma are all three different genres. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I think you should be able to do that, personally. But th- that was my main issue with mm-hmm. this. Everything else, I think... It was well-written, things came together, and I will let y'all talk about what you want to praise about it, because I have other things, but I want to give you a chance to speak. I feel like I hit the main thing. I did, too. I also just want to mention, I really appreciate this as a um, time capsule. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. fandom at, at the time, it was just what the popular opinion was. I was thinking about what things were referenced in here. Mm-hmm. Every Rumiko Takahashi series, uh, okay, all the big ones, like they, they get in Urusei Yatsura and Mei Sanikoku and Ranma One Half, of course, mm-hmm. and um, and a little bit, they even mention Inuyasha. Yeah, in uh, Fozzie's Bears jokes we, we didn't talk about, they mentioned about um, Inuyasha getting an anime, uh, anime is going to the dogs. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terrible joke. Yeah. Um, they get in like Robotech, a little bit of Leiji Matsumoto, and then, you know, like, Porco Rosso is the only kind of Ghibli thing that I remember being referenced in here. There's no, like, no Totoro jokes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Tenshi Muyo. It's weird to think back on a time where, like, Ranma One Half and Tenshi Muyo were, like, equally big deals. I don't know. Yeah, if they were. Moon. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think Tenshi Muyo was a way bigger deal than Ranma One Half because that wasn't aired I don't on Toonami. So. Oh, yeah. Ron, Tenshi Muyo was aired on Toonami? It was aired yeah, on Toonami. that's how yeah. I what? watched it for so long. Like, how do you over not know that's how I was obsessed I didn't watch Toonami. <laughs> yeah, no. Ranma One Half was like, you had to, like, find it, right? Yeah. Like, it, and I, that's why I never got as into it as Tenshi Muyo. Mm-hmm. And, like, looking back, like, Tenshi Muyo, like I said, total harem anime, but, like, it was marketed to these kids. Like, it was aired on Toonami, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah Tsunami so. was like uh, Tenshi Muyo, you know, Dragon Ball. Um, yeah. Once I had space someone with the uh, guns. With Gun Gundam space. Wing. <laughs> gun space. <laughs> Where it was, there were pirates in space, and like they had all ships of all ships had arms on it, and there was a cat girl. Samurai pizza cats. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Tenshi Muyo. What? 
Outlaw Star. Oh, oh Outlaw Star. Yeah. I loved Outlaw Star. But why have we done an Outlaw <laughs> Star fan fiction? Yeah, Mono. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, I'll look for Samurai Pizza Cat's fan fiction as a compromise, okay? <laughs> All right, well, that's not a compromise at all. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a I really did. I really liked Outlaw Star, actually. But um... and and so, yeah, it's just, it's kind of the the things that were most in the fan, the internet anime fan popular consciousness in the mid late nineties, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the author mentions they try to hit all the high notes that that people would know. Right. And, you know, these are, like, the real fans who are doing fan fiction on the internet and watching the subtitled stuff. So, like, I think Pokemon has started by then, right? But it's not in here, right? Yeah. 98? Oh, she said it was written in 97. Maybe most of it was written in 97. Maybe Pokemon was not a concern yet. I know. Pokemon was on the air at the... I think? Maybe not, actually. I remember watching it... I remember starting to watch it in middle school. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. You know, it's funny to think about that. We'll there were anime know. I watched before <laughs> Pokemon because it's when po- well, I was I had Pokemon cards, you know, mm-hmm. and the games. Is there not a Dragon Ball reference in this? It feels no, like there should be, but there wasn't. There I don't think so. The references are actually pretty limited. Yeah, and they that, are. And that they was kind another thing that like felt weird that they were like, "This is our anime thing," and it was like four different series. It's like. Here's our um, American television thing, and it's like Friends and like I don't know whatever. Now two one zero. I dream of Jeannie. I just I don't know any American TV shows. Sorry. Neither do I. But yeah, I just did a Control F on the fanfic. There's no mention of dragon, but there are mention of the word ball, which is reference to the mirror disco ball at falls. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, that's not a not a Dragon Ball reference. Yeah, no. <laughs> this just is like I think the thing that's been rubbing me like a weird way this whole time is that it super reminds me of like the specific anime that people were obsessed with on the internet, which mm-hmm. used to be a limited thing. Like the um, the uh, websites you could access when you googled anime as you know, an American young person in like the year 2000 or 1999 were these specific anime. Mm -hmm. They were like a set of like 20 different shows and that was it. And so that's, I guess, where the limiting factor comes in in terms of seeing anime as a genre. If you only know 20 different shows, of course it seems like a genre, Mm -hmm. right? This makes me appreciate the Porco Rosso reference even more because it's so Mm -hmm. out of place (laughs) compared to like everything else. It's a great point, yeah. (laughs) I guess the author had more awareness than some for, what was this, 1996? 98 it came out. Apparently most of it was written in 97. Yeah. Mm. You know, can't blame him for not understanding at that point in time, I suppose. All right. Well, thanks for reading this with me. This was definitely one of those episodes where... I wanted to reread it, so I made you two reread it with me. Yeah. And uh, thank you for um, picking a shorter one. <laughs> yeah. I am doing my best to get a lot of short ones in. I've I've been looking for more short things to work into the rotation. Um, yeah, how long was this? 9,000 words? Um, Mako-chan's happy ending sort of length? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, what I wanted to praise about this was like the, the really good writing tone, the flavor of the Muppet show and how they were able to link it into the anime they presented. Um, despite their limited frame of reference for what anime was at the time, they did a really good job of linking it to what they knew. So yeah, yeah it was good. It works in concept and in execution. Yeah, and, and in that very short number of words, they created a whole episode of the Muppet show, which was great. And we will probably never see its like again. Because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Muppet fan fiction. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> anything like this again because I'm not going to look for it. <laughs> Another point of praise: this was super ambitious and kind of weird, but they like sought their niche and they did it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was more ambitious than some things in that, like, even a lot of fanfics we read where I'm like, oh, this is not. I guess I should say, trying to write Muppet Show pastiche strikes me as harder than trying to write Star Trek The Next Generation pastiche. Like, there's a lot more moving parts and voices and, like, people are less used to thinking in that that kind of structural term, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, not that many more moving parts. (laughs) A couple more.
This has been episode 29 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Muppet Show Tribute to Anime by Bridget E. Wilde, written in 1990, well, okay, published in 1998. Mm -hmm. You can find our link there at bit.ly slash rfr muppets. You can find, actually you can find a copy of it archived on the author's archive of their own website. Say uh, archive again. You can find a archived copy of it archived on the author's archive of our own archive. Thank you. <laughs> but our link there is to the original text document, because if you're reading a fanfic from 98, you've got to read it in that text document font. <laughs> our link there is bit.ly slash rfrmuppets, even though Tori pointed out the title is M The Muppet Show instead of Muppets Show. <laughs> Whatever. What's Muppet? S for a Muppet Show. There you go. As usual, all lowercase. Just don't worry about it. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Contact us on Twitter, at RetroFanfic, or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple, po Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> you can leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever other service you use, but Apple Podcasts is kind of the big one, I think, in terms of reviews and stuff. So do that. Go do that right now. Mm. Apple Podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Leave reviews on Apple Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Make a website called Opal Podcasts. Uh, I like to eat opals, apples and bananas. Bananas. Opal, opal, opals and, and bananas. Banana. No, wait, opals and bananas. Podcasts. <laughs> Podcasts. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth weirdos trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Okay, good night, everybody. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I mean, you haven't heard that episode that we did that was just Amato and I, but we need some talking because otherwise it's now, mostly silence. We would do better now than we did then. Probably. But, but yeah, we, we still need you here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that.